Welcome to Let's Talk. Here we will focus on the hustle, the juggle, and everyday struggle of small business. We will be here every week talking to small business owners about their everyday struggles, stresses, and ways they have been able to overcome the challenges of running their business. We welcome questions and comments, so please feel free to email us at admin at plemonscpa.com. We hope you enjoy, and above all, we hope it helps. And thank you so much for joining us today on Let's Talk. I am your hostess, Thalia Williams, and we're here today with Zara Cruzan from The Brand Author. Welcome, Zara. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Oh, this is phenomenal. You know, we've met maybe a couple of years ago prior to the pandemic and everything, and I have been totally engaged with all that you do. I can't take advantage of your services, (laughs) but I love what you offer. The the knowledge and the experience you have is just phenomenal. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to give our audience some exposure to The Brand Author. So tell us a little bit about you and your business. Yeah. So um, I have a branding agency and um, I came from a world of corporate marketing. And in about my mid-20s, my husband and I opened a restaurant um, and we very quickly learned the difference between marketing and branding. And that's something that a lot of small business owners don't quite understand. Most of the time when a small business comes to us, they think they have a marketing issue, but really it's a branding issue. And, you know, your marketing is only as good as your brand. And so Having learned that lesson through that process, um, I saw that gap and I was able to fill that gap. And so we started our brand agency. And so what we do is we help um, scaling businesses who are mostly impact-driven businesses to get brand awareness, to build a cohesive branding system um, so that they can use in all aspects of their uh, marketing, their brand reputation management, um, even offer development and experience mapping, environment creating, things of that nature. And so we just really geek out on all things brand um, and explaining to people and showing people and, and businesses how they can leverage their brand so that they can be seen as that premium, open up their margins um, and really get in front of the people who would value them. So if you've ever had clients or are looking for people to purchase your items or your services and you feel like they don't get it or nobody's willing to pay that much for what you do, then you probably need to come see me. Mm, so we can assume comfortably just by that definition, a brand is not a logo, is it? No. <laughs> a brand is a tool. I mean, a logo is a tool that you use in branding, mm-hmm. um, but it is really so much more than that. That's what I thought. But, you know, most people have the misconception that the logo is the brand and it's not correct at all. Yeah. So brand is a really cool word right now. And a lot of people are using it to describe anything that they do in the business industry because everybody knows they need a brand. And so whether you're in PR or in marketing or in ads or social media or graphic design, if you can say that you work on brands or you do branding, then you've pretty much got yourself a sale. So it's a word that's thrown around a lot. Um, and uh, but basically, a brand is a perception of who you are. And that's not something that you are create or what you can define. It's what people, it's a perception that they have of you. So even though you can't control it, you can heavily influence it. And what happens a lot of times is you spend a lot of money on branding in pockets. So maybe you'll get your social media done, or maybe you'll run an ad, or maybe you'll do snazzy business cards. And so you'll, you'll, 
do things in silos. Um, but unless it's all coming together as a system, um, as a brand identity, and you're not able to consistently convey your brand and influence that perception. And so it falls flat. Um, and so that's usually where people say, well, I've tried branding. It didn't help me because if it's true, if you, you know, a logo is not going to necessarily make you more money. It's part of a system. It's part of a process. And so if you're just, you know, spending buku bucks on a picture, it's not going to get you as far as you might think. True enough, because yeah. we know brand is perception because customer service is a part of the brand. Yes. What you see out on the road with the name of the logo on the truck is a brand. Mm -hmm. All of that is perception. Because if that brand cuts me off, I'm going to remember them. (laughs) Right? You're going to remember them. So why this particular type of product or service? Mm -hmm. Because you talked about being in the restaurant business and understanding or having some clarity that came across during that process. So why this particular service? So it was really a, a gap. So, you know, when when I did marketing for corporate, we did everything from Fortune 500s, you know, to mid-level national, you know, companies. I was always in the marketing aspect of it. And so I took for granted the brand that was made for me. And so um, I would get the templates and, you know, the the prefabricated, for lack of a better term, um, material. And then we would customize it for a store location or an area and and um, I thought I was pretty good at my job, and I was, and I did great. And then when we opened the restaurant, I thought, well, this is perfect because I already know what to do. We've already worked with restaurants. We've already done, you know, um, I already have this experience. I just need to apply it mm-hmm. to um, my business. But what I quickly realized is that without the positioning, without the brand, without the system, just the tactics – I wasn't getting the same results. So the exact same campaigns I was running for other companies wasn't converting, wasn't working for me um, as a small business owner. And so a lot of times there's there's not a lot of in between. So you're almost on your own and, you know, doing this unless you're a Coca-Cola and then you have an agency of record that, you know, is taking care of all of your needs. But what do you do in the meantime? What do you do when you're starting to see that growth, when you're opening your second, third location, but you're not quite Coca-Cola yet. You're not quite Adidas yet. You don't. Um, so how do you go about developing those systems and pulling things together and getting more clarity and pulling away from your competition um, at that point? And so um, we saw the need and we saw the gap. And um, it was just something that having gone through it myself and having to learn it the hard way, you just I just found a passion for it um, and and started to move away from the marketing aspect of it and and towards the branding. And that's pretty much a specific niche. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is because you hear a lot of marketing. Yeah. I mean, that's like the umbrella. Mm-hmm. Then you have your niches up under there. You have your SEO, your social media, al- analytics and things like that. But you don't hear that much about branding itself. Yeah. You know, there's an assumption that it's a marketing just like PR, that's an assumption. That's marketing. Yeah, it's a tool, as you said. It is a tool. Interesting. So, what have been some of your challenges in running your business? So, I would like to have a really smart answer for that, but <laughs> <laughs> um, instead, what I have is more personal growth. I think for me, um, one of the things that I had to learn early on is that, you know, that saying is "you're as good as your weakest link." Um, and so if I wasn't investing in me and my development, um, 
then my business wasn't going to get very far. Interesting. So I could know my field really well. But if I abdicated all the responsibilities of being a CEO, you know, oh, I'm not a great leader. Oh, I stink at hiring. Really, if I hadn't developed that part out um, and started to take invest in learning that area of it, I don't think I would have gotten very far. Um, and so for me, that's been the biggest challenge is getting out of your own way, taking advice, getting help uh, when you need it, going to people, you know, willing to be the dumbest person in a room so that you can, you know, get to where you need to be. And I think for me, that's probably been a big personal challenge. <laughs> Undoubtedly. So how long has Brand Author been, been in existence doing what it does? Three years now. Three years. Yeah. Nice. So you've had some hustle and had to juggle some things, too. And yeah. got a big struggle going on because of that personal development, knowing or finding out what you don't know yeah. and then learning what you don't know. So if you don't know how to do it, you're at least aware of it, yeah. which is key. And I knowing when to get help. Mm. knowing when you shouldn't be the person mm. doing it yourself. Mm. Yeah, that's usually the biggest thing because we find that, oh, I can do that, oh, I can do that, and there's only how many hours in a day? Yeah. And then doing it correctly, efficiently, where it's productive, where you're not spending, as a friend of mine would say, $30, and then your time is worth 120 mm -hmm. but you spent $30 when you could have done it, gave it to someone to do it for you versus you trying to do it yourself. Yep. Big difference. Big difference. So why do you persist? What keeps you going? What drives you? Oh, um, well, I love what I do. I love who I do it for. And I love who I do it with. And I think that there isn't a lot more satisfaction you can have. Like, to me, that's happiness, you know. And I persist because I can see it. I can see the vision. I can see us taking steps towards that. I see us growing. Some of the accounts we have now, my gosh, I would never have imagined starting out that, it, you know, we, we'd have those accounts that we, you know, the clients that we've had, um, you know, it's just, it, it really is. And the difference that you make when you see, you know, we just, I got an email, um, you know, from one of our clients last week who said they've done more um, in the first six weeks of this year than they had done in sales all of last year after having wow. started work with us. And so it's, Comments like that where you just the excitement. I mean, it's email, but you can feel the excitement in, in, a, in a, you know, email like that. And so um, and the team that we do it for, you know, we, we have a, a big um, uh, we are big on uh, work life balances. You know, our team is our family. You know, we we set out when, you know, when we were when we were visioning out this company and what it would look like. And we had stakeholders all sit down and say, OK, what, what would this be? Number one thing we said is there's no way we want it to be like an ad agency. We all came from ad agencies, and we did not want to be working ad agency hours. We wanted to be able to be creative. We wanted to have that freedom. We wanted to go home and see our kids, watch them grow up, um, and we didn't want to have that kind of lifestyle. And so for me, knowing that we're able to do that, knowing that you know we're able to provide that for the team and the people who work with us, yeah, that's a big motivator. Undoubtedly, and it sounds like you guys are having fun. You're not yes. like making the donuts grudgingly. You're making the donuts <laughs> like with a lot of fun and activity and that work-life balance that you talked about. And it's good because those emails from those clients that said, hey, you helped me achieve more than what I did before is exhilarating. It helps you over those humps of when you don't hear anything from anyone and my phone's not ringing and my email's not pinging. But you hear that one and it's like, yes, I can do this. I can do this. 
We have Chris Hall joining us today from Pontum Financial. Chris, tell us a little bit about Checkpoint Charlie's. Checkpoint Charlie's is one of my favorite topics. First, I have to pay, give credit where credit is due. My golf pro uh, gave me a lot of Checkpoint Charlie's. Everything he referenced was a small task or a small little box to check every time I lined up with the ball. But Checkpoint Charlie's referred to a systematic breakdown of tasks that you can address that almost become like clockwork. So you know what you're doing. You know when you have to do it. So all you have to do is implement that and do it and make sure that the checks are done on a regular basis. So if you can check off one, you can move to two. Check off two, move to three. And what it's in direct reference to as far as business owners go is I always say, look, we have checkpoint Charlies that we need to make sure are taken care of on a weekly, monthly, quarterly, semi-annually, and annually. So at least one of those meetings, several of the team members from the Power Five need to be in that meeting so they can update you on those checkpoint Charlies because they have their own list. But as a business owner, you should be able to sit down with a one page of your checkpoint Charlies provided to you by the people who are collaborating together, mainly the Power Five, and be able to say, these are the decisions you have to make as a business owner, and then be able to file it away in your corporate book and move on for the year. So how can we reach you to learn more about the Power Five? One of the best ways to reach us is to just give us a phone call. It's 210-625-4845. You can follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook or visit our website at pontumfinancial.com. That's P-O-N-T-E-M financial.com. Chris Hall is a partner with Pontum Financial and offers securities and investment products and services through Waddell and Reed Inc. WRI member FINRA slash SIPC. Pontum Financial is a separate entity from WRI. So how critical is support to you? Oh, it's hugely critical. Um, I, you know, when I first started, um, I was testing the waters to see if this was even something I could do. Could I even get business? And so I started just freelancing the work with contacts that I'd had in the marketing world. And so um, very quickly, uh, I, figured, I figured out if I'm going to do this and this is going to grow and be something, I needed to have the support. For me, that was um, a big thing. And then also... Not just professional support, but just support in life. Because I think, you know, being a woman business owner, and, and I guess every, you know, human has their own responsibilities, but there's motherhood, there's I'm a wife, I'm a sister, I'm a niece, I'm a granddaughter, I'm a friend, I'm a colleague, I'm a coworker, I'm a boss. Um, and in order to give what I need to give in all of those capacities, I also need to have something in the tank to give them. And if I'm not getting support, I can't give support the way I want to. I can't show up as the wife, as the mom, as the colleague that I want to if I'm not getting that support at, at some level too. You know, there's only so much you there you can do yeah. around. Yeah. And so if I'm going to be, if I'm going to step into a room and bring the shine and the positivity, then I got to be getting it from somewhere. I got to have the break. I can't be running on burnout and, it just doesn't work that way. I wish it did, but it doesn't. You and about 50,000 million other entrepreneurs, you know, wish they had an extra half an hour in the day yeah, instead of 24 hours, 24 and a half or 25. Well, did you, I think it was, it was Harvard that did a study and they found that after working 36 hours uh, a week, if you work more than 36 hours a week, your productivity, your creativity and your accuracy in, like exponentially diminishes. Wow. And so it's, so what we think, you know, is 
doing us a favor by staying late and killing ourselves is actually hurting our results. And Literally killing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's just a vicious cycle. It really is. And um, growing up, that was not the way we were raised. It was all about the work ethic, put your head down and just when you, when suffer you look through up, white knuckle it. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> and when you look up, you're 60 and it's time to retire. And you're like, wait a minute, what happened to my life? Yeah. When did you grow up? I don't remember seeing that happen. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that's the challenge, you know, and that work-life balance is so critical. Yeah. Even for entrepreneurs who've been in it three years, five years, six months even, mm-hmm. that work-life balance is so critical. Mm-hmm. So tell me, tell us about a failure you've learned from. Oh, so I I, uh, I mentioned it a little bit earlier. My husband and I had a restaurant um, in our mid-20s. We decided um, that we wanted to open up a restaurant, and we had a big passion for it. My husband's a chef. He, you know, worked in London, and we were just – he had a passion for food. I had a passion for marketing, and so we, we went and opened a restaurant. Um, and it was probably the best failure of our life. Interesting. <laughs> um, you know, it, it probably took me – about three years to see it that way because I went through a huge grieving process when we decided to shut our doors Um, because it was hard. You know, failure is hard. I I was not used to failure. I was, you know, used to being a top performer and to decide to shut down our restaurant was um, incredibly painful. How long was it open? Five years. And um, yeah, so and and it was this it was difficult. So we had some big accounts, um, you know, big catering accounts with uh, some uh, companies, uh, local companies, and we had a restaurant, and the volume was there, but the profit margin wasn't. Mm. And so every year, even though our revenue increased, our profit margin decreased, and we just couldn't seem to figure it out. And I was, to compensate, I was taking on more and more responsibility. And um, in our fifth year, I unexpectedly got pregnant, and we've been trying for 10 years almost, and so this was huge. And it was at that moment where we stopped and we said, whoa, we've just been going and we've been taking on more. We haven't hit our goals and we're just struggling through it. It was almost on autopilot. You know, it was just not. Um, and, uh, and you know, we sat down for the first time in, in the five years we'd had the business and we said, you know what? This is not the life we want. We don't want to be working 80 hours a week, 90 hours a week you know, for a 6% margin so that we can, you know, and missing our kid, missing everything, you know, having him have to come to work with us and wait tables and, you know. Right, at the tender age all, of three months. Yeah, yeah, like a whole family, you know, the whole family gets suckered into working for free. This is not what we wanted. And so we thought, you know, sometimes this no longer is the vision. This is not the goal. This is not what we want. We're doing it just so that we don't fail, not because this is what success looks like for us. And there's a big difference. And it was a really hard thing um, to do because there were, you know, we had a lot of, uh, a lot of hopes for it. And um, nobody wants to fail at something. Nobody wants to fail at something that big. You know, it was not a cheap thing to close a restaurant. Um, And, but, it was such a good lesson because we learned so much from that. It's where I uh, understood the difference between branding and marketing, and it set me up for this role. But also, as we decided to open, you know, it opened this up from a freelance to an agency, the amount of time that we spent visioning this out, you know, we, we clearly went into this with our no matter what's, not like the last time. So now we know what that felt like 
and how sometimes your ego will push you down a path you're not really wanting to go through anymore. And so we very quickly decided from day one, this is what we don't compromise on. This is what we want. This is what we'll have to do to achieve this goal. And we check in, stakeholders check in every six months and we sit down and we have an all day meeting. Is this where we're headed? Are we doing the right things? Mm-hmm. Is it starting to feel like that's that's our that's our question is, does it feel like the restaurant? <laughs> and if it does, that's a red flag to us that, you know, we're we're we're, we're making not the the yeah, best you're choices. Out of yeah, we're out of alignment and we need to get back on alignment and what decisions are are pushing us in that way. So, um, yeah, for me, it was one of the hardest things we've ever had to do. You know, um, closing a restaurant, being six months pregnant, you know, was a big, scary thing for us. Um, but ultimately that really gets things clear for you real quick about where your priorities are, where, what you want to do, um, what matters to you, what success looks like for you, what happiness is for you. Um, so, you know, not to, to do that again. <laughs> Undoubtedly. And compromise is not an option. You know, we're not going to give up this because we want to stay in business to avoid failure. Yeah. We know exactly what we want to do and how we want to get there. Big difference from the first go round. Yeah. And you're in a totally different industry now. Yeah. Which helps tremendously as well. Yeah. So let's talk about what does success look like to you? When I first started, when I was young in my business, I had a client, um, it was a big client and, um, probably accounted for 80% of my revenue. Um, but it, but the relationship wasn't in alignment. It was one of those things where you just felt more drained. Um, and the work that I was doing wasn't what I wanted to do. It's what he wanted to pay me to do. <laughs> and mm. do you know, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's easy to do that when you're in service to kind of, well, I'll do it. Even yeah, that's not what I want to do. scope creep almost. Yeah. yeah. It, it's not like I make a deodorant, take it or leave it. Right. <laughs> when, when it comes to services, you kind of. And I remember I was talking to my business coach and my business coach was, you know, uh, we, were, we were talking about it. And, you know, he said to me, well, if this isn't what you want to do and you're going to be miserable doing it anyways, why not just go work for someone else, be miserable and get a steady paycheck and not have to worry about all the rest of it and have all that on your, you know, uh, on your plate. Interesting perspective, wasn't it? Yeah. And I thought, okay, but it's really scary to let go of somebody who's providing 80% of my, my paycheck right now. Um, But I did it. I took the leap of faith. I said, well, it wasn't no matter what. If this is what my future looks like, if I'm going to have to be working with clients, you know, that were in this type of experience, then it wasn't worth it for me to grow this into an agency. It was not that was not happiness for me. So um, I did fire the client. Um, and oh, wait, 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 wait. Repeat that again. You I fired, the, fired client. the client. Yes. Great human. Just not a great situation. <laughs> right. You know, and so there's and there's a difference. It was really hard because I like to be. You know, I'm the middle child, so I'm very much trying to appease everybody. Yeah, make everybody happy. So it was really difficult for me um, to do that. But um, I did that. And instead of the time that I was using to work on that work, which always, you know, one of the things that you kind of when you know it's going south is when something should take you an hour, but it ends up taking you three hours because you're just not loving what you're doing and your heart's not in it and you're just dreading it. And I use that time. And um, from that, I went and I actually, within three weeks, I had replaced 
that income with three clients that I absolutely adored. And within six months, I had doubled my revenue from what that client was giving me. And so it was just perfect. You know, but I, I was in flow. I was in alignment. I was I knew who I was looking for. And I was had the energy, you know, I'm a big believer in the law of attraction. And so my energy was different. And I was attracting people with different energy. And, you know, it was it was really good. And so that was a good it was it was proof uh, and a success story, and so that we at the office we have what we call evidence anchors, mm-hmm. and so that's that's proof that doing the right thing, doing what's right for you, is the right choice. It's it's not necessarily what somebody else says you should be doing. It's you know, you know what the right thing to do is, and when you're exactly. operating out of that, you really do. Yeah, because you're out of alignment. Yeah, you're, you're out of kilter. It's like when your spine is out of alignment, your whole body doesn't work right when your knee is acting up your whole body is like wait have a toothache yep okay it's like ah, i can't function <laughs> those who have migraines they yeah. know that that alignment right there that pain is like causing disassociation and craziness out throughout the whole body yeah. so it's good that you were able to recognize that but if you hadn't had that failure ahead of time to do that analysis yep. you probably would have still been making the donuts grudgingly yep <laughs> potentially with that client yeah And just the mere fact that you stated to fire the client, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are scared to fire their clients because of the fact, like you said, 80% of your income is right there. But do you want to be in misery or do you want to be happy or successful? Yeah, the way the way we look at it and the way, you know, the way we see it is if your ideal client is out there then why are you wasting your time with someone who isn't? You should be pursuing the right person. So if, you know, it's one thing it's one thing to date a guy while you're waiting for Mr. Right. But if you've met Mr. Right, why are you still dating the other guy? Makes <laughs> you know, sense. Stop messing around. If you know he's out there, go get it. Mm-hmm. And if not, wouldn't you rather know today, if there is no audience, if there is no customer, you know, if that customer doesn't value what you do and there's no marriage there, then better you know today then after six years of struggle, take the risk. It's almost, you know, don't be afraid to know the answer. Go after it because better that you know one way or another what it is now than after you've been on the struggle bus for so long. True enough. And then how much time have you wasted that mm-hmm. you can't recoup? Mm-hmm. You can't get that time back and you don't know how many other promising opportunities mm-hmm. you've passed by or have passed you by because you've been on the struggle bus trying to hold on to something that you weren't meant to hold on to. One of my favorite coaches um, says is his mantra, so I won't, I won't take credit for it. Action creates clarity. Mm, nice. And so, you know, you got you to gotta do something risky sometimes. That's true. That's very true. So we kind of talked about what does success look like to you, being happy, mirroring or um, pairing with your ideas, your goals. What else does success look like to you? So for me, I don't know if you know uh, the uh, if you've heard of Mind Valley, but the uh, the CEO of Mind Valley wrote this book, and from it, what I took away from that was not to attribute and associate success with happiness together. So it's one thing to have things that you want to do in life and and have goals that you accomplish. But for me, success is more choosing to be happy every day, getting up and saying, "You know what? I guide the day." I'm the one that is going to bring the energy that I want into the day, into the office, into the home, into whatever interactions I have, and just choosing to be happy. For me, if you can't 
do that for yourself, then there's something happening inside that you've got to get right. And so regardless of the environment, regardless of the situation, and I think as a business owner, that's helped me a lot because entrepreneurs have a crazy life and there are some massive swings. You know, you get that, you know, six figure client and then you've got two sales months of not hitting what you thought you were going to hit. I mean, this is, and COVID's made it probably even you know, our industry actually did better through COVID, but a lot of industries didn't. And so there's that kind of swing. And so if, if finding happiness and knowing how to do that for yourself, regardless of the environment is huge. Um, choosing to be generous. Um, that's a big one for me. Um, to me, it's not success if you can't share it with the people around you. Um, there's no joy in it. You know, there's just not. And then choosing to enjoy that journey. And I think that for me, if you're operating in that way, you're successful no matter what the environment says, what, no matter what the external things are. And you will start to create your own success and you will start to create that your reality and what you want to happen. And I think that that has served me well um, and it has helped me to enjoy the process and have the patience um, and uh, level the emotions, you know, the emotional roller coaster that sometimes comes with being an entrepreneur and a business owner, those extreme moments of stress versus those extreme moments of elation and, you know, really giving you a, a better kilter. Um, and it's important to be those things before you have those things. Mm. You know, sometimes we think, well, when I make a million dollars, I'll start. But from our very first year, you know, we decided generosity was going to be part of what we did. And so we donated to, you know, nonprofits that we felt were doing great work in the city. Um, and that was, you know, from year one, we didn't know if we were going to even have a profit, you know, right. but, we, but we took that, you know, we, we took that because for us, that was, we started acting in that way. And sure enough, the profit was there because we were acting as if we were already that million dollar CEO, we were making million dollar, you know, CEO choices. Um, and so that helped pull us along, I think a little faster, um, than we otherwise would have would have grown. Nice. So basically being intentional with your thoughts and yeah. your actions and not allowing external things to create success for you. Yeah. Being successful in your own mind and your own thought processes. I like that. If you had to do it all over again, would you do anything differently? So my smart aleck answer is going to be, I wouldn't worry so much about all the things I should have done differently. Um, but I mean, in a perfect world, maybe I'd have learned some of the lessons a little earlier um, okay. after only having had to have learned it once and okay. not relearning the lesson. Oh, repeat over, the grade. Over and over again. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, so any advice for our audience? Anything you'd like to leave them with? I mean, even with the craziness of the pandemic, you mentioned that the industry that you're in did a lot better. But yeah. is there any advice you want to give the audience that they can have as a takeaway to encourage them, make them aware, whatever? Yeah, so I would say um, if the majority of your life isn't filled with great love for who you are, what you do, and who you do it for, it's probably a red flag. And if your focus is on that first, the P&L will come, the profitability will come, the sales will come, the social media posts will come. They will happen mm -hmm. um, if you just take care of that piece first, mm -hmm. because that's what you need to be able to show up as a successful entrepreneur that you know you are. Um, and sometimes it's really easy to get caught up with, with the other. 
Definitely, definitely. So how can someone get a hold of you? What's the best way to reach out to you? Oh, so um, going to our website, you can go to brandauthor.com and submit a contact form, or you can email us at support at brandauthor.com. We're also on Instagram at brand.author um, and Facebook and all the usual spots. Um, we're there and we'd love to connect. Excellent. Well, once again, thank you so much, Zara, for being on our show. Once again, we've had Zara Cruzan, the brand author, here to talk about her journey as the in the hustle, juggle, and struggle of small business. Thank you, Zara. Oh, thank you for having me. For more information about any of our guests, or if you have questions and comments, please email us at admin at And don't forget to check out our website, PlemonsCPA.com, for upcoming events and workshops in San Antonio. David B. Plemons CPA, Inc. is providing this podcast as a public service, but it is neither a legal interpretation nor a statement of David B. Plemons CPA, Inc. policy. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by David B. Plemons CPA, Inc., The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the Hustle, Juggle, and Struggle of Small Business podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or their concepts or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by David B. Plemons CPA Inc. employees are those of the employees and do not necessarily reflect the views of David B. Plemons CPA Inc. or any of its officials. You should always consult your own investment advisors, attorneys, and accountants before making any decisions concerning your financial matters. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact our office. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.